Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. How to find a financial advisor. We talk you through the process step by step. Do women find it harder to seek investment advice than men? And what are the questions we need to ask an advisor once we actually find one? Welcome to the FT Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Lucy Warwick-Ching, FT Money's digital editor, and I'm bringing you a special podcast dedicated to finding a financial advisor. It's been over a decade since the financial crisis, but even that is not long enough for people to forget. The frequent mis-selling scandals involving pensions, investments and PPI mean large numbers of people are too scared to approach someone for financial advice. But the advice landscape has changed dramatically over the past decade. Traditionally, people were invited to free sessions paid for by kickbacks in the form of commissions. But today's customers pay an upfront fee in return for unbiased advice. So what's the best way to get that financial advice? FT Advisors Content Plus Editor, Simone Kiriaku, joins us in the studio to talk us through the process. Simone, so where does someone start? Can you tell us about using different directories to find an IFA? Yes, there are many directories out there that if you just do a quick search on Google, you should be able to come up with them. Things like unbiased, vouched for, um, there's a PFS directory as well. Uh, they're all slightly different and they do slightly different things. But if you're looking for a good financial advisor in your area, say you live in Wapping, um, you'd put in your postcode or you'd put in a Wapping or your area where you want to see the IFA um, or the financial advisor and you'd look up on unbiased and it would come up with a range of financial advisors in the area. Um, if you want to search by specialisation, you can look up and say, well, this one specialises in mortgages, this one specialises in pensions, I can do that. Um, vouched for is a kind of like a trip advisor for financial advisors where um, it's rated by other users and the PFS directory is quite interesting as well if you want to get particularly a chartered financial planner as well you can look for those Um, I would say they come with a a good price tag but it's all about the value they provide for the end user and what's about using the FCA itself Mm. I think this one is very important um, to be able to check that someone who cold calls you is actually a proper financial advisor. It's really important to look on the FCA. The FCA will also have details of whether that person's had any regulatory enforcement or any regulatory action against them or their firm. 
Um, I know there was some discussion a few weeks ago with the FCA thinking, well, perhaps we'll get rid of all the individual search and we'll just allow search by firm. But thankfully, they seem to have um, backtracked on that. And that's very important, particularly for older people looking for reassurance that you know some person who's just cold called them to talk about pension transfer you know, is this person really a genuine financial advisor? And perhaps if you look on the FCA website, you'll find, hmm, oh, he is a genuine financial advisor. But then when you call that firm, he says, well, actually, I didn't call you, so someone else is using my name. So again, these are certain things that you can do, and it's really good to check, and it's free to check, and that's the important thing as well to remember. Yeah, that's very useful. And so why do people go to an advisor? I think there are many reasons people go to an advisor. Um, sometimes they have been given an inheritance and it's a lot of money, it's a lump sum, they don't know what to do. Or they've experienced a big life change. Um, maybe they're getting married or they're just buying a house. And suddenly uh, questions about insurance come up. I think the two main reasons people will go to a particular financial advisor um, are word of mouth. So my neighbour has a really good financial advisor. He tells me about his financial advisor. I think, ah, oh, that guy sounds like a really useful person I think I'll have an introductory meeting. And I think word of mouth cannot be underestimated. Uh, and recently, with the pension freedoms that came in in April 2015, you can't access your DB pension um, if it's over 30k unless you've had proper financial advice. And uh, a lot more advisors are seeing people coming to them just kind of out of the blue saying, I want to cash in my pension, can you help me? So that's been uh, quite a big call on financial advisors' resources right now. And how should advisors make themselves more approachable? Well, this is really funny because every time I meet a financial advisor and we go and do all sorts of roadshows, they're all really lovely, genuine, friendly and warm people. And you think, well, how come more and more people aren't using your services? Um, and I think they just don't market themselves very well. Perhaps some of them are quite traditional and haven't really thought about engaging using social media or they're a bit wary of it. And that's understandable with GDPR coming in and with, you know, what we've just seen recently um, on the news with sort of data mining. So perhaps they're a bit nervous about that. But people like Pete Matthew have been going out into the community and sort of taking videos and doing polls and meeting people. And he's been getting more clients as a result of that. Other financial advisors go into schools or go into colleges or places of work to just give people a bit of a hint about financial education. Yes, it's mostly pro bono or nearly always pro bono, and it can be a time-consuming exercise. But in terms of actually networking and meeting people in your community, it's invaluable. In fact, a few years ago at the Hearts Country Show, you know, wedged in between some stands about the RAF and, uh, you know, sort of rare breed sheep, there was a financial advisor who was just sort of there saying, here I am, this is what I can do. You know, why don't you come in for a free meeting and a coffee? You know, it's really, really good that they're actually promoting themselves in the local community. Great. Thanks very much there, Simony. You can read her articles on FT Advisor and you can read my cover feature on Finding a Financial Advisor later this week at ft.com forward slash money. When considering the cost of advice, you need to think about its value too. The definition of good financial advice is that it should cost you less in the long term than no advice at all. So how should you expect to pay for financial advice? I'm joined in the studio by Karen Barrett, Chief Executive of Unbiased, a platform matching you with professional advisors, who's here to share her tips. Karen, does it depend on how rich you are as to whether you need a financial advisor or is there more to it? There's definitely more to it than that. I would actually say that you can benefit from having a financial advisor more if you have less. You know, it means more to protect what you've got and to make more money from from your holdings. But having said that, 
financial planning is about being sensible, looking at your own situation and planning, you know, the life that you want to lead and the things you want to do with your finances. It's not necessarily about, you know, a service for the rich or becoming rich. And can you explain the ways in which advisors charge? So it's quite interesting. Atom bias, one of the biggest barriers we find for people, you know, thinking that advice isn't for them is the cost. Um, I think that it's not widely shown on websites and it's not really you know, known by people who are looking for advice how much it costs. At Unbiased, we have a cost of advice guide. You can Google it and it will show the information. And really, that's a benchmark for, for certain scenarios such as setting up a pension or some at-retirement advice or ISA advice. You know, what is it likely to cost you? And I think that really helps people understand, oh, OK, that's more reasonable than I thought. I think I'm going to start some exploratory conversations with a financial advisor. Now, in terms of how a financial advisor can charge, there's a myriad of ways in which they charge, um, such as a fixed fee, an hourly charge or a percentage. And I think from, you know, dealing with hundreds of thousands of people who have searched for advice, the biggest worry they have is that it's going to be a lot of money and that they're going to have to have an open wallet. So actually, you can talk to a number of advisors and compare some quotes for the same piece of advice, um, which I encourage people to do. And also you can agree a fixed fee. So for a particular piece of work, you can know up front before you take that advice, you know, the the ultimate cost. So that should take some of the worry away from people who are worried about, you know, it costing too much. The right thing to do is to look at value. If you're paying an annual charge or a monthly charge or a one-off fee, look and ask what the service is that you're receiving for that cost. It's not about cost. It's about what you're getting for that money. So if your advisor's charging an annual fee but just having a, a quick meeting and a cup of tea with you, that's not value. If they're picking funds for you to invest in, doing some cash flow analysis, and they're you know, advising you on tax and estate planning at the same time, and they're charging you 1% you know, annual on your investments, that's a good deal. And they're the sort of questions that you need to be asking your advisor when you're talking about cost very much. What am I getting for those charges? And are there you know, upfront charges? Are there reoccurring charges? Are there any other charges you haven't told me about? I'm really getting a sense of what you're going to pay and what you're going to get. And as you said, you've got a table on your website with examples of cost of advice. And we thought it was so good that I'm actually going to include that in my uh, cover feature in the FT Money section. Can you tell us a little bit about how men and women differ in their attitudes to finding an advisor or investing? Um, It's quite interesting. Um, We find the men are happier to sort of do some research, use our directory service and and find advisors that way. Um, Women are happy to put in their information and be matched with the right advisor via our technology. And it's quite interesting in terms of men are more interested in the investments and pensions advice from the advisors and women more around protection and mortgage. And I think that does make sense in terms of you look at the traditional roles, women are more interested in about caring for the family, making sure they've got a roof over their heads and, and that sort of thing. But it's definitely not about ability. You know, women can manage investments and, and pension planning just as well as a man. I think what men do is actually they just go for it. They get involved in investing. And actually, that's the quickest and best way of learning your mistakes and what to do to improve in the future. Thanks very much. That was Karen Barrett, Chief Executive at unbiased.co.uk. You can read more about how to find a financial advisor on ft.com forward slash money or in the FT Weekend newspaper this Saturday. Finally, let's turn to what people should look for in a financial advisor. As with most things in life, personal recommendation counts for a great deal. 
If a friend or colleague in a similar financial position to yourself can suggest someone, that's a great place to start. But this is still no guarantee of success. Experts recommend having an initial face-to-face meeting where you can ask the advisor some essential questions and then quiz them on why they think they would be suitable for you. Jason Butler, a financial wellbeing expert and an FT Money columnist, joins me in the studio. Jason, you've written lots of books on financial advice and wealth management. Let me start by asking who looks after your money? Well, I have a different arrangement because obviously I'm I'm very experienced at the the whole area of looking after money. So I don't need someone to manage my investments or do all the tactical stuff or give me the tactical advice, which is often very valuable for people who aren't interested. I have someone what I call my financial locum, a guy called Kevin Dima, who is a, is a brilliant financial planner in, uh, in uh, Essex. And he's there if uh, my wife and I need to check in every three or four years about our strategy, about the role that money is in our life. And also, if I got ill or died, he would take over the kind of the strategic management uh, and do also the day-to-day stuff, which my wife uh, expertly delegates to me for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, so if you're starting out, how do people know if they need help? And also, you know, who do they turn to for help? Yeah, I think you have to distinguish between there are three types of help, as I see it. There's the there's the help understanding the role of money in your life and, and the how you make decisions and your behavioural kind of aspects. And that's much more about money coaching. And that's a lot more accessible, a lot more affordable, and a lot more um, empowering because it's about how you make decisions and, and how you react to things and what is important to you. And very few people really have that clear understanding. So money coaching is a is a completely distinct uh, branch of advice, but it's not regulated in the sense that financial advice is. But they're equally, they're not normally going to be putting you into investments and doing the sort of the mucky work, as it were. But at the other end of the spectrum, you've got where you have a life transition. So you're getting divorced or you're about to um, go into long-term care or there's some major life event that really requires some strategic thinking. And also marrying up both the big picture of what's happening in your life with also the technical issues of state benefits or tax or investment markets. And that's where you probably uh, need to get a specialist, so a later life advisor or a mortgage advisor or a pension transfer expert. And then there's the the grey area in between where whether you want one-off help, sort of getting your affairs tidied up, sort of get you in pointing in the right direction and wading through the shoebox of stuff, or you want someone to do that and keep you kind of uh, maintained, as it were. And that's where the bulk of the regulated advice market is. And they're very keen for you to engage them for ongoing services, uh, often a percentage of assets they charge you or an ongoing retainer fee, because that's more profitable for the company. Now, Whether that's right for you as an individual will be determined by how complex your needs are, how much time and inclination you've got, and what the impact is uh, of the costs versus the benefit you get. And a lot of people can do a lot of this themselves, and I would suggest that they probably need to have strategic input from a professional advisor at least every three years, but not necessarily every year. And, And so what are the traits that people should look for when they're choosing an advisor? Well, the first thing is don't choose someone that you like initially okay that's the last thing that you should think of Uh, one of the largest wealth managers in the country who's just announced its results uh, is extremely um, expert at marketing its services and they essentially are being paid by commission really because you can only pay them through the products that you buy from them but they're very good at selecting their advisors based on likability okay and that's for a reason because people buy from people they like whether those people are competent 
uh, whether they are ethical, whether they are delivering a service that's good value for money, that's a separate issue. And I'm not just talking about one company. So the danger of choosing someone you like is a bit like my mother-in-law. She she went with a guy for a hip replacement operation a few years ago because he was a very schmoozy uh, surgeon. It turns out after the event uh, that he had all sorts of complaints against him and we've since found out the operation wasn't very good and she said continual problems. But she chose him based on his bedside manner rather than his competency. So my advice would be choose someone who's a chartered or um, certified financial planner who's working in a chartered or certified pl- firm where there's a fixed fee type arrangement where they do do proper comprehensive planning and can give you the choice of a one-off service or an ongoing service, but that, that the cost of that service should be reasonable. And the other thing is to make sure that they're used to working with people like you. So if you're a divorcee, it's useful if you work with someone who actually specialises in working with people with that kind of traumatic event in their life. Not, not in terms of... Uh, uh, that they're going to know all the answers, but they're going to understand you a lot quicker than someone who doesn't work in that market. So the final thing is the chemistry. And uh, so so that's the kind of final thing you want to put on the uh, thing. But good advisors will ask good questions, but even really brilliant advisors will also listen. Mm-hmm. And what you don't want is a lecture from an advisor about how great they are. Oh, and by the way, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. They should be continually listening, asking you smart questions, they should be more interested in you than your money. Some very helpful tips there. Thanks very much to Jason Butler, whose column on wealth management you can read online at ft.com forward slash money or in the weekend FT. That's it from the FT Money Show this week. To get in touch with our team of writers or ask one of our experts to look into a financial dilemma, please email us our address money at ft.com. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.